afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is a program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. In short, the program's designed for someone like me. There's a lot I don't understand. Not necessarily soul-shaking things. It might just be something that's been bugging me for a while. But I find that rather than getting into a deep theological discussion, sometimes just a casual front porch style talk with a pastor is the best way to understand it. That's what this program's all about. Today's guest pastor here on the front porch with me is Wayne Lawrence of St. James Lutheran Church in University City, who just happens to be my pastor as well. Now, I have my questions, and I'm sure you have yours. Send a question by email at any time to letstalk at kfuo.org, or you can call in at the program at area code 314-821-0850, anywhere in the St. Louis area. Now, that also includes Metro East, or anywhere in North America, toll-free at 1-800-730-2727. Pastor, welcome to the program again. It's good to be back. It is. It is. We need to do this more often. I just set out my next... Uh, my next group of invitations for oh. the next two months, so please check your email. Great, great. Uh, I certainly will. Uh, well, you know, we talk about a lot of things, and uh, th- this i got to give you a little bit of background what's been bugging me on this one. Okay. <laughs> now, yesterday was kind of a slow day for me, slower than normal, mm-hmm. and I had a little extra time to kill on my, on my, on my hands, and uh, just for jollies, I started doing some Google searches. Trying to uh, track down people I used to know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would see, oh, that's good. That's what happened to that person. Oh, that's, uh, that's what happened. Oh, okay. I wonder what happened to that person. Well, I decided I would start looking at some people I didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> now, as much as I love broadcasting and radio, uh, in the commercial broadcast field, as opposed to the religious, Broadcasting can be a savage business, mm. and uh, it's you can make some wonderful friends, and you can also find a bunch of knives in your back. Wow! At any time, <laughs> and it's uh, you have to understand. You know, people who go into broadcasting. All of us have got huge egos. Nobody goes into this because they're a shrinking violet, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> including yours truly. Okay. And we always know that one person who really made it big, and we could say to ourselves, you know, darn it, I'm better than that person. I could have done that kind of thing. <laughs> And this is what I was doing. And to make a long story short, uh, there were two individuals in particular I looked up. One was a guy who was a co-anchor I worked with at a station back in the Midwest. And to describe our relationship as distasteful is an understatement. We disliked each other to an intensity that bordered on on hatred. Whoa. (laughs) It was just definitely not good. And we had to share a studio for four hours every morning and just loathed one another. Wow. And, you know, some of the things that, that happened off mic were incredible. Wow. Uh, we, we, we came close to blows once. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Didn't happen, but boy, did it come close. And uh, to say I dislike this guy, as I said, is, is an understatement. I see. Well, I checked into another person I worked with at a station in the South. And uh, this guy, best way to describe him, he was a professional rival <laughs> at the same station I was at. And uh, uh, he wound up getting the uh, 
he wound up engineering, in my view, my demise at that station. Ooh. Uh, and needless to say, there's very little love lost between us. Now, these are people I have not had any contact with in many, many years. We're, we're talking decades. So I don't know why on earth I decided yesterday to find out what happened to these folks. <laughs> and what had happened was the one guy, the fellow who was the co-anchor, who, uh, who I, we, we had our problems, uh, he had gone into TV and was working at a station in the, on the East Coast and uh, had a very good career. And after 32 years, his station, bam, let him go. Ooh. Just bang. And it was a uh, uh, supposedly a cost-cutting thing. And, and management does that a lot in commercial broadcasting. Uh, sometimes they'll even escort you to the door, literally. Wow. I've, I've had that happen to friends. Uh, but after 32 years of just thanks, kicked him in and literally kicked him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other fellow... The one uh, who was the the rival for from the station I worked in the South. What do I find? He's done time at a federal pen. Oh no! <laughs> and is now a on the uh, is a registered sex offender. Oh no! Yeah, he uh, he. I have to say, he was one heck of a good reporter, but he had a dark side. Wow! Involving drugs and uh, and underage boys. Oh dear. Uh, but as I say, you know, he wound up in federal penitentiary. He's out now, apparently. Uh, and I don't know what the other guy's doing, just that he's no was suddenly unceremoniously unloaded. Mm-hmm. And Pastor, when I saw that, I was happy. Oh, dear. <laughs> now, now, there is a German word. Now, I mentioned my, my mother's family was German, so I, I picked up a, a lot. I don't know much anymore, but I do, do know a few words. And one word that fits the situation is something called schadenfreude. Uh-huh. Now, there's no direct equivalent in English, but basically what it means is to take delight or joy at another's misfortune, especially if that person is an enemy. There's an element of malice to it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the human side of me was saying, good, those guys got what they deserve. <laughs> And then the Christian side of me says, what are you seeing? Yeah, yeah. These people's lives have fallen apart, and you're happy? And you're happy. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. So you see my moral dilemma here. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I so see now that. I am approaching you as my pastor, which you happen <laughs> to be, and I'm asking some some insight and some uh, counseling on this thing. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm... I can't deny my feelings on that, but I also can't deny that it's a bad thing that I have that feeling. Right, right. Yeah, um, you know, my mother went through a, a similar situation. Oh. Um, she had worked at the American Arbitration Association for years and uh, was um, admired and trusted and loved by her immediate boss who was the vice president of finance um, to the point where if he could do anything to help her, he would. In fact, um, this boss of hers helped us to help her, help her to help us get to this country and find a home for us. That's Mm -hmm. how much he um, admired her. But then of course, as time went on, his boss 
of course, hired someone and placed this person over my mother in the data processing area. And this person made my mother's life a living hell. Everything she could do to undermine, get her fired, I mean, she just did everything possible to hurt um, my mother. In fact, um, some of the other co-workers in the other departments would sometimes come to my mother and say, I don't know how you, how you bear this. I don't know how come you don't quit. And uh, I remember once my mother's response was, um, when I go to my bed at night, I don't kneel down and pray to Ines deaf and sake. I pray to the Lord. <laughs> um, I used to work at that um, company also under my mother for a while and learned a little bit about computers. Mm. And eventually I moved on and worked at the United Negro College Fund. And then after that went back to school. But while I was at uh, the United Negro College Fund, I would sometimes talk with my mother um, about what was going on back at American Arbitration Association. And something happened where even the, the police was involved. I think maybe even the FBI was involved. Whoa. Um, and apparently this lady who was placed over her um, came to work one day and uh, her keys didn't work anymore. <laughs> um, she was being charged with embezzlement and all kind of stuff oh and my gosh. Uh, escorted out of the building. So she was hoping that she would outlast my mother and my mother end up outlasting her. <laughs> and, uh, you know... <clears throat> It's one of those things you look at and you go, you know, this person tried to make my life a living hell. And mm -hmm. uh, whatever plans they had, it it failed, obviously. And, you know, you wonder, yeah, should I be happy about this? Um, when you mentioned the topic to me, I sort of remembered something that I had read years ago and had to quickly review it just to make sure that, you know, what I was thinking was, was right. Um, there are some psalms, you know, the psalms are usually like the, the praise book and the, mm -hmm. the hymn book and the prayer book of the Bible. Yeah, I was, I was discussing with my wife last night, and she was saying, you know, how are the psalms possibly relevant to this topic? To this topic, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. And in many ways, you know, that's what they do. You know, the psalms are about praising God and um, praying to Him, bringing our petitions before Him. But uh, there are quite a number of them that um, are they are sort of categorized as the imprecatory psalms. Okay, now what are these? I, and I say imprecatory. I mean, I should know what the word mean, but I had to double check. <laughs> <laughs> imprecatory. Okay, which has to do with cursing, almost like uh, calling down the wrath of God on your enemies. And I go. Is this true? <laughs> you know, is it? And let me double check. And sure enough, um, 
there are a lot of them um, that uh, that are like that. Um, they have curses in them. Um, one one the author summarized it this way. He says, people are often shocked by some of the prayers in the Psalms. One of the harshest is the is the prayer against um, the Babylonians in Psalm 137. And he made a quotation from the psalm. The quotation is, O daughter of Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy is he who repays you for what you have done to us, who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. Oh, and I go, whoa, <laughs> whoa, that's kind of harsh, you know. And then he says, there are similar prayers, um, that are contained in Psalm, like Psalm 55, Psalm 56, Psalm 58, Psalm 69, and Psalm 109. Um, and of course, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, seem like there's a contradiction here. But let me clear up the contradiction. Okay. Let me, let me present the contradiction first and then clear it up. <laughs> He's pointing out that in the New Testament we are told not to not to take revenge, and of course he's pointing to Matthew chapter five verses um, thirty-eight through forty-four. Um, we are told to love our enemies and not take revenge, and uh, you know those psalms sound kind of vengeful. But then he goes on to explain that. Um, that some of these psalms are really proper. The prayers are actually proper to use. For example, um, you know, he points out that some of these psalms are used a lot in the New Testament. And one in particular that he pointed out was um, one of the Messianic psalms where, you know, the Messiah himself is um, is is quoted, because it says in Psalm 69, which is a messianic psalm, may, may they be blotted out of the book of life and not be listed with the righteous. Um, or Peter, you know, Peter um, has quoted Psalm 69 um, in, and Psalm 109 in, first, in, in one of his epistles and also in Acts where he's using these psalms to point to this is the just judgment that came down on Judas, um, where the, the scripture talks about this is the punishment that will come on the one that betrayed the Messiah. So he points to these psalms, as these um, imprecatory psalms, as these are also proper prayer. But to top it off, Look at Luther. Okay. <laughs> when I read Luther, I go, wow, this is interesting. One of Luther's comments is that you cannot even pray the Lord's Prayer without cursing. Okay, that's lost me. And I go, <laughs> And he says, every time we pray, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Guess what we are doing? We are praying that the plans of Satan and all who serve him 
will fail and that they will receive the judgment which they deserve. Wow. Because that's what we're doing even when we pray the Lord's Prayer. We are praying that their plans fail. I mean, and I even, you know, I was reading some of this to my wife and uh, right away she made the connection with our um, what's going on in politics these days. Um, especially when I read to her this one, this part where it says the psalmist, um, or in some case the Messiah, who was speaking through him, was being persecuted without cause, since the attacks on him were not because of anything he had done, but because of his role in God's plan. And so, you know, when we look sometimes even at what is happening in politics today, it's I can't sit here and uh, not pray for our president. And in praying for our president, I've got to pray that all the diabolical attacks on him would fail. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to succeed. (laughs) (laughs) I want them to, to fail. I want all these people that are, you know, calling for impeachment or, you know, indictment. You know, um, in fact, when uh, when it came out that uh, quite a number of them were guilty of um, of molesting women, I said, "See, these are the people who are want to take down our president mm. for for his womanizing," and yet it turned out that they are just as guilty of um, taking advantage of women. Um, the same way and using what they call taxpayers' money as hush money. Oh, especially in the Congress. Uh, yeah, that, that right. They had this slush fund that they would use to, to, to yeah. as hush money for the women. At least, you know, what is going on with um, these uh, two women, um, that money apparently came from our president's mm-hmm. um, own pocket. It's not government money that he's using. But uh, the guys in Congress who are guilty of the same thing are using taxpayers' money as hush money. So you see that these people are guilty of sometimes the same thing that they are accusing someone else of. And, uh, you know, you you are happy when they get exposed. Yeah. For their hypocrisy. Schadenfreude. Yeah. 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 You are happy that they get um, exposed. In fact, one of the actress that is um, responsible for taking down R.V. Einstein. What's her name? Oh, yeah, Einstein. right. I've been following that. Yes, and now it uh, turned out that she is like a sex offender, that she molested a young, a young, boy, a young yeah. boy, too. So, you know, and, and my son was so quick to put that on Facebook, you know? <laughs> You know, and he goes, this is what a child rapist look like. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> so, you know, yeah. um, when when these people that have bad intentions, you know, they act like when they come after you with their diabolical attacks, they make it seem as if you are the worst sinner and they are so pure. They call virtue, what do they call it? Virtue uh, yeah. signaling. Yeah, virtue yes. signaling. Yeah. Yes, you know, I am so righteous and you are so, such yeah. a sinner. And so, yes, we are feel vindicated when uh, their sins get exposed. Mm-hmm. You know, when it turns out that, no, you're not such a pure person afterward. After, after all, you are just as much a sinner 
maybe even guilty of the same sin that um, that you're accusing me of. Um, and so, yeah, we're we glad about that. Another thing that I wanted to point out was um, St. Paul. St. <laughs> Paul um, in, uh, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8, and in 2 Timothy 4, 14, also prayed against his enemy, those who um, are opposed his preaching of the gospel. You know, if anyone is preaching a gospel to you other than the one we have preached, let him be accursed. Um, praying against the enemies of the gospel. Or here's another one, a good one from Revelation chapter 6, verse 10, <laughs> where the saints in heaven are praying, saying, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, Will you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Like the saints in heaven are crying out to God for, you know, for vengeance. You know, um, we, want, we want you to take, um, carry out vengeance for us. And so, you know, we are, we pray against the wicked, and ultimately, of course, I think you know when it talks about praying for your enemies, I think our ultimate goal with praying for our enemies is uh, is that they indeed come to repentance. Yeah, you know, we would hope that um, that whatever the Lord does, He shakes them up enough to let them repent. But uh, when they are doing, when what when what they're doing is so unjust. Um, we can't be in in favor of it or like it. Um, in fact, we want it to fail. So you know, when that uh, when my mother's boss was um, escorted out of the building, she was so determined to make sure my mother did not reach retirement. Mm. She was going to make sure that she had to quit or she had or she was fired before she was able to retire. And it turned out that that woman was forced out, and my mother did reach retirement. Good. So, you know, um, <laughs> I can certainly understand yeah. your feeling. But, you know, I guess, you know, the only caution I would make is that we want um, not the death of the sinner, but that the sinner would come to repentance. Um, we want to also shame them if we can you know when we look back for example at the civil rights movement with martin luther king part of his passive resistance was to accomplish just that because as the 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 enemies are beating them setting dogs on them um, turning holes on them and they are not fighting back um, eventually it brought the enemies to shame. Look at how despicable mm. we are behaving, and uh, um, these guys are not fighting back. Also, it uh, disarmed them, because when they go to other countries and start saying, your human rights record are bad, is bad, that other country can say, who are you to talk? Look mm -hmm. at what you're doing in your own country. Call them to task. So, you know, we, we, we certainly want to disarm our enemies. We certainly would like them to come to repentance. 
But yes, when they get exposed for what they are doing, um, yeah, we, you know, it's it's what we would like to see happen, especially if what they're doing is so unjust to us. Well, I think you know one of the one of the incredible things about Dr. King that is sometimes overlooked is he didn't beat his enemies. He didn't defeat his enemies. He converted them. Right. He right. brought them over to his side. Right. Saw right. the justice of what he was saying. Right. Right. And that's that that is nothing short of a miracle. I mean I, I grew up in that era. Oh, I will okay. well remember it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, he did. Um but even the ones um that while they were doing it, yeah. you know, it what they're doing is wrong. And his action you know, certainly was meant to to shame them. You know, said, so look at your behavior compared to ours. Look at the contrast, mm-hmm. um, and to shame the enemy. So ultimately, we even, for example, when we um, if excommunication happens in a church, yeah. what is the purpose of excommunication? The purpose of excommunication is the hope that you shake up that person enough to let the person realize that what they have done is offensive to the church and to God and that they would repent um, of what they have done. So, you know, the hope is always that um, repentance would happen. But in the middle of the injustice, when it's being perpetrated against you and that person act like, you know, I am so righteous and you are so evil, when their evil get exposed, yeah, yeah you're like, you feel vindicated. You know, you feel vindicated. And we often do that. We want vindication from God. Well, I think vindication and, and satisfaction in the misfortune are perhaps not the same. Let's, let's discuss a little bit more on the other side of the hour here. I've okay. got to take a break, and we'll be right back. And the word for discussion today is schadenfreude. <laughs> Hi, I'm Pastor Mark Hawkinson, host of Moments of Assurance, inviting you to join us for our fall KFUO bus tour. We're going to be traveling to the historic Missouri State Penitentiary, the oldest one west of the Mississippi. We'll have a guided tour through the hallways where famous prisoners once walked like Pretty Boy Floyd, boxer Sonny Liston, and James Earl Ray. The penitentiary was built in the 1830s with beautiful stone masonry architecture to match. We'll also get a tour of the Missouri State Capitol and we'll enjoy an all-you-can-eat brunch at the famous Eris Pizza Palace. The date, Saturday, September 29. Cost is just 65 per person and includes round-trip luxury motor coach transportation aboard Mid-American Coaches. We'll leave out of St. Louis at 8.30 with another stop in Washington, Missouri at 9.45. To sign up, call me, 314-996-1520. For years on Sunday mornings, Worldwide KFUO has been broadcasting live worship services for those unable to attend worship or for those who enjoy hearing God's word. This Sunday, our 8 a.m. worship comes from Blessed Savior Lutheran Church in Florissant, Missouri, with presiding pastor, Reverend Matt Rogland. Our 10.30 worship comes from Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fenton, Missouri, with presiding pastor, Reverend Mark Sell. Join us on Sunday mornings on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. 
Listening to KFUO on your smartphone is so easy to do. Smartphone assistant, play KFUO. Playing KFUO radio. You can also visit the place where you get your apps and download the KFUO app. You can also go to the KFUO homepage. Wow, the KFUO homepage is customized to fit your phone with an easy-to-find listening button. When you're on the webpage, you can browse for more information. You can listen to KFUO 24 hours a day at KFUO.org. Don't forget about Facebook, facebook.com slash KFUO radio. Now you're just acting like a Millennials, the most diverse generation in the history of the U.S., may also be the most engaged Bible readers in generations. Who knew? In a six-year joint effort by the American Bible Society and a Barna Group study of Bible engagement in the U.S., they discovered Christian youth who go to church and care about their faith may know the Bible better than older Christians more reading it multiple times a week than any other generation. No question, new technology has undoubtedly made Bible reading a more popular option in staying connected to the Bible. Of millennials who read the Bible, the surveys show that online reading is up from 37% of adults in 2011 to 49% in 2016. And the percentage using their phones to look for verses or other content more than doubled. Engaging with the Bible, more popular than ever. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible. Well, welcome back to Let's Talk. Uh, pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Our pastor today is Pastor Wayne Lawrence of St. James Lutheran in University City. And we are discussing Schadenfreude. And for those who don't speak German, it means taking delight or pleasure in someone else's misfortune, especially if it's an enemy. And it's I think it's something that we all have. I know I have had it on more than one occasion. If you want to join in the conversation, you can do it. Either email us at letstalk at kfuo.org or call in in the St. Louis area at area code 314-821-0850, and that includes Metro East, or anywhere in North America, toll free at 1-800-730-2727. Well, Pastor, <laughs> where do we go from here? <laughs> yes, uh, as I shared with you a little bit off air, um, that passage from Romans also, mm -hmm. um, I think I could share it with you again on air, where um, Paul is, is uh, in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, where he says, um, Do not take revenge, my friends but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. A passage that reminds us that, um, yes, you know, our vindication comes from, from God. He does vindicate us um, in his own way, in his own time. And uh, that's one of the ways we are, as Christians, different from um, the Islam, the Islam religion, um, they tend to want to carry out the vengeance themselves, you know. And uh, we are aware that it's not right for us to carry it out, but we certainly call upon God to to vindicate us, yeah. to you know maybe change the heart of our enemies, you know, if if, if that can be, or certainly to vindicate us or punish them if that's the only way 
well, even as it said in the book of Revelation that you had just quoted that yes. one chapter, uh, to to have God avenge the blood of the saints of the martyrs. But it's have God do it, not have us do it. Whereas you point out with Islam, they have no problem whatsoever in doing it themselves and claiming they are doing it because God wants them to. Right, right. But we call upon God to do it. It also, as a, when I listen to this topic, it reminds me of um, the... The text that we are studying currently in the in Bible study, Second um, Peter, uh, chapter two, um, where Peter is talking about the false prophets and the te- and false teachers, and uh, he is pointing out that God will indeed punish these false prophets and false teachers. Listen to some of what he said. He said, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought, who, who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. And now he gives some examples. He gives some examples. He said, um, he said for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. And if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserve Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes he condemned them, to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day by day, he was tormented in his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw saw and heard then the Lord knows how to rescue the ungodly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. Is this perhaps a an extension of the two kingdoms concept where, you know, we as, as, as citizens of the left-hand kingdom can sit in judgment, for example, uh, in a court trial. Right. Well, we will say this person's guilty, this person is not guilty. But when we're talking about vengeance, that's a right-hand kingdom concept. And that is that, I think, is the province just of God, of, of the church. Uh, you know, we might put a, a murderer to death. But, yeah, but that would be the left-hand kingdom. Yeah. Right, the government does have the right of the True. sword. Yeah. But why are we doing it? We are doing it because of justice, not because of vengeance. I think that is the... Yes, I see what you mean. I yeah, see what you mean. Yeah. And, and that's why God, you know, God has given 
as both kingdoms, both yeah. the right-hand kingdom and the, the left-hand kingdom, and has given the left-hand kingdom the right of the sword. Um, and Paul talks about that in Romans 13, that you know they don't bear the sword in vain, that they are God's servants, his um, agents of wrath to, um, to bring punishment upon evildoers. You know, there's also one of the Psalms, I don't remember it offhand, where it talks about having the high praise of God in your mouth and the, the sword in the hand to execute um, judgment on, on evildoers. And I often remember, look at that Psalm and say, you know, that, that's a good, that's a fitting Psalm for a soldier or a police officer because he's called to serve on the left hand kingdom. And serving on the left hand kingdom may even require that he kill somebody in the line of duty. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, and it doesn't make him any less a Christian than the mm-hmm. guy preaching in the pulpit. And Luther, I think, was was very upfront about that when he, he talked about vocation, and he specifically mentioned the soldier uh-huh. as being a God-given vocation. Yes, 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 a God-given vocation. Um, so yeah, this idea of um, justice, vindication, um, you know, that is why sometimes, you know, even we, we go to court yeah. when we are um, when we are mistreated, um, you know, publicly, and we might take someone to court. We're looking for for justice, um, for vindication. But yeah, you're right. I think you know the main thing though that um, that I see. With uh, with your topic <laughs> is uh, you know when you feel like you have been wronged by someone um, and you see the injustice of what the person did or was doing to you, and then finally you realize that you know he's not this innocent person either. He turns out to be you know maybe a, a guilty person too. Mm. You know, even though he may have made it look like you were the the sinner and he is the saint. And, uh, you know, there's a sinner in all of us. Oh, yes. And that comes out when when his sins get exposed, that he's not so righteous after all. Yeah. And we certainly acknowledge that we are not. The first thing we do at a church service is confession and absolution. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know... Even though we may be happy about that, I think also too, it's it's also good that we take time out to pray for our enemies. Mm-hmm. You know, to say this person wronged me, but you know, um, I don't want the death of this person. I want the salvation of this person. You know, my mother was. <laughs> I tell you, she. When I remember her and just some of the things that she would say, um, it it. It chokes me up sometimes because <laughs> I know she also felt so wronged by my father. And uh, to the point where just sometimes the mention of his name would bring abdominal pains. Hmm. And I remember saying to her once, um, we are so far away from him now, we probably won't even know when he dies. And she said to me, no, he will surface. I don't want him to die alone. I want him, you know, to repent. I want him to be saved. 
It's like, wow, yeah. this is the person who, <laughs> you know, wronged you in some ways that made you cry yourself to sleep in America alone. And yet you still want the salvation of this person rather than their damnation. And I think that's where I would draw the line and say, what do we really want for our enemies? Do we want their damnation or salvation? And I think ultimately we should want their salvation. That's true. I, I, I mentioned um, off the mic, I, I spent some of my college years as a uh, as an English major before I realized I could make a living at it. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the uh, papers I had written was on Hamlet. Uh-huh. And the argument was, is Hamlet a tragedy or a melodrama? Now, you know, the the difference is rather subtle, is that the... Uh, the the, uh, the protagonist in a tragedy has to be a great and a good man who's brought down by a tragic flaw. Now, if this person isn't great or good, then perhaps it goes down into melodrama. Now, I had made the argument that Hamlet was a melodrama, uh-huh. although most scholars insist it's a uh, tragedy. And the reason I said that was Hamlet passed up the time, passed up a chance to kill his uncle. Mm. Because his uncle was at prayer and in a state of grace. Wow. And it wasn't enough for Hamlet just to kill his uncle. He wanted to damn his soul. And at that point, I said that Hamlet lost the concept of being a great and a good man. He was not. Wow. Wow, he's so only to, God can yes. only God you don't mess with another man's soul. Soul, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I wish I could remember what the professor said about whether I was right or wrong and I know I had a minority opinion on that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because when it comes to, you know, the salvation even of your enemies, mm-hmm. um, that should be, you know, what you would prefer rather than their damnation. No. And, and of course the example of Jesus himself. Yes, yes. Yeah. Father, forgive them. For they know, yes, on the cross, yes, because he wanted, and that's why he was dying on the cross, um, for the sins of the whole world, for the mm-hmm. salvation of even his enemies, mm-hmm. that they would, uh, you know, come to repentance. And, you know, even Peter said that, you know, the Lord is patient with us, you know, which is part of um, also with the, the the second Peter passage that I read, Um when you look at God's patience with the sinners in the days of Noah, I mean, he could have wiped them out <laughs> anytime he wanted to, but he waited. He was patient. And, you know, God is patient with even our enemies sometimes. Um, and his patience is, uh, the purpose of his patience is that they would come to repentance. But eventually even God's patience run you know runs out yeah. sometimes you know? oh, yeah. <laughs> and when it runs out watch out and that was what happened with uh, the flood you know we see God's patience mm-hmm. running out on on evildoers yeah um, and even the angels you know the rebellious angels eventually his patience ran out with them too you know yeah. or even Sodom and Gomorrah oh yeah uh, I mean, you know, he was... And God was willing to... Yes, I mean, Abraham was talking him down, you know. What if you find 50 righteous people? He goes, well, no, I'll spare it. <laughs> Maybe 45, and he keeps coming down. And the mm-hmm. Lord said, well, I'll spare it. But, of course, 
there weren't even that many <laughs> righteous people left in Lot, and uh, his patience was up. And uh, sure enough, um, I, I was remembering an, another incident I had um, that did teach me a little bit of a lesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked at a newspaper, oh gosh, about 30 years ago, and we had a new editor come in, and he and I were oil and water <laughs> from the very beginning. Hmm, I'm seeing a pattern here in my life. <laughs> and uh, after after a few months, he fired me. Oh, no. Well, a couple of years pass, and the newspaper changes ownership. Uh-huh. And the new owners... Thought that I'd just be the wonderful person to be the, to, to be the chief editor. Oh boy! <laughs> and so I came in yeah. with the new owners and had the the delight, the Schadenfreude of firing the guy who had fired me. Oh! <laughs> now, where I got a lesson on that was uh, the guy. Later died at a young age. He, he was he was uh, grossly obese, mm. morbidly so. And he, I found out later on that that this was something that had tortured him his whole life, really tortured him, mm. and eventually killed him. Mm. And uh, I probably still would have fired the guy, but I wouldn't have done it with the joy and the happiness that yeah. I did. Try to help him find another job right away. Yeah. That's something I should have done. And uh, was it a justified firing? <laughs> um, actually, it was. I mean, there had to be a new regime in. Okay. There couldn't be two, two, uh, two honchos. Yeah. So yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, you mean was my firing justified? Or no, was firing your, him? your firing him was. I, I think it was justified, but I certainly could have done it in a different way. Okay, I see. And certainly not taken the the, the delight in it that I did. Yeah. And as I said, I really felt guilty later on when I found out yeah. just how much this fellow had suffered. Yeah. Not necessarily from my actions, but he had his own demons. Yeah. And yeah. I never tried to reach out or to touch that or, as I said, you know, I, I probably still would have let him go, but there was a different way I could have done it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, you can see a vindication. Yeah, at least you felt vindicated with, uh, with uh, after he fired you and then you got back the job more as his <laughs> boss. Yeah. You know, that's a kind of a vindication. You know, you fire me, and now here it is. Um, I'm your boss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the Lord's <laughs> doing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's a the saying sometimes, uh, be kind to the people you pass up on the ladder because eventually they're going to be passing up. Passing yeah. you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and, but as I said, you know, it's, I learned a lesson from that. Yeah. Um, you know, I was not in a position to harm these other two people that I mentioned. Yeah. It's just, oh, gee, something bad happened to him. Good. Um, in this case, I think I did harm the guy, and I didn't have to. At least he not did. the way I did it. Not the way he did, yeah. I think one of the things I also... You know, think about a lot in my life is um, I want to always be in a position where no one can say that I did anything 
to them, where I hurt them, mm. where I did anything harmful to them. Um, even if they did something to me that was hurtful or harmful, I always want to be in a position where you can't say that I did that, did anything to you, you know? Um, because then I walk away with a clear, a clear conscience, you know? My conscience is clear that I did absolutely nothing to you. I may have suffered at your hands um, for one reason or another, but I did nothing to hurt you. Um, but yes, do I call upon God to vindicate me sometimes? Yes, when I'm hurting. Oh, yeah. Because in the middle of it, you know, it's painful when you go through certain things. And you know what happened? You see, now look at what, look at what you're doing. Um, as you look back at what happened to this person you fired, you know, you start feeling um, sorry for this person. Yeah. You know, and that has happened to me where something bad happened to the person that harmed me. And instead of rejoicing that, oh, look at what happened to you, I actually start feeling sorry and go, oh, wow, that's, that's, that's terrible. I'm sorry that that happened to you, hmm. you know? Um, well, there was a, another saying that uh, Martin Luther King had. Uh, he said, hate is too heavy a burden, so I choose love. Yes, it's too heavy a burden to bear, and that's so true. Um, you know, we never want to hate our enemies. Mm. We want to love our enemies, pray for them. But yes, um, when they are doing, um, when what they're doing is unjust, we certainly call out to the Lord and go, don't let, don't let our enemies succeed. Let them fail. You know, we have a prayer like that um, in the altar book. Really? Yeah. Um, a prayer about um, letting the the plans of those who like injustice and stir up war that their plans would fail. And there's a prayer like that in the altar book. I remember using it once or twice and go, wait a minute, this might sound harsh. <laughs> you know? But it is certainly a prayer asking that God would thwart the plans of those who, lo who love to make war and who love to engage in injustice. Um, it is certainly a prayer along that line. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that those you know, prayers are, are bad. They are still proper prayers. But be careful about how you use them and when you use them. You know? Yeah, I think, yeah, you know, we always want to um, look back at ourselves and... Uh, um, examine our own hearts and go, I know I want this, you know, but also, Lord, teach me to to love my enemies. Teach me to to want their salvation, even though they hurt me. You know, teach me to want that. And, uh, and I think the, the Lord will give us that too. You know, because notice what the Lord blessed um, Solomon with. You know, I said, you didn't, uh, you know, pray for, you know, wealth or the death of your enemies or anything no. like that. You just wanted wisdom. Well, okay, here it comes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think sometimes, you know, we should examine our own hearts and go, yeah, you know, um, I, want, I want the evil plans of this person to fail. But also, Lord, teach me to love my enemies. Mm -hmm. Teach me to pray for their salvation, um, that they are that they ultimately will repent of their sins. Um, yeah. Well, at the at the beginning of the program, you you talking about um, 
praying for the failure of those who would harm our president. Yes. But I also recall you saying essentially the same thing in the last administration. I was I was a member of the congregation with the last administration. And again, you were calling for God to guide. Yes. Yeah. You weren't praying for the, for that man to fail. You were praying for God to guide him. Right. Right. You know, because since he was duly elected, even mm-hmm. though I didn't vote for him and... Um, I'm glad I didn't vote for him, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But still, you don't want him to fail. No. You want um, you want uh, him to succeed if he's doing something good for the country. Now, you know, some of their plans I did not want succeed either. Yeah. You know, because I saw some of their policies as um, as harmful to the country, and uh, you know, you know, your, your hope is that. Either the policy won't work, will fail, mm-hmm. or that someday, you know, we'll be able to reverse it. Or that he'll see the light. Or that he'll see the light. Yeah. 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 Oh. And I think it, that is so important, I mean, to keep in mind. And it's so easy sometimes to forget. Um I mean, I, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, I, I was not a fan of the prior administration. But no, I didn't want him to fail. I wanted the country to succeed. Yeah, yes. In fact, um, the the prayer in um, evening prayer, um, where it lists um, that you should pray for, like the the leaders of the country yes. and the leaders of the church, whose name were you going to put there when the former administration was in? Mm-hmm. You would have to pray for who was the the president at Absolutely. the time. You know, even if you didn't vote for him or didn't like his policies, you still mm-hmm. prayed for for that president. Um, Fourth commandment. I mean, yes, he was, yes, he yes. was elected. Yes, he was elected. So you 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 pray for him. Mm-hmm. Well, Pastor, I hate to say it, but we're this hour went by fast. Yeah. <laughs> It's always a pleasure to be with you. <laughs> it is. You make me think, you know. Because <laughs> when you mention that topic, I go, man, I've got to think this one through. This is, this is something. Let's hear it for Schadenfreude. And teach me a little German in, in, in the process. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Let's Talk. The pastor's in. Today's guest pastor was Wayne Lawrence of St. James Lutheran Church in University City, Missouri. <clears throat> Excuse me. Every Friday, a pastor sits in with me for a friendly chat on the front porch about whatever is on our minds. Now, I want to give special thanks to Pastor Emeritus Fritz Bowie for letting us use his theme song, uh, letting us use his recording of All Lord, Glory, Lord, and Honor as the theme song for Let's Talk, The Pastor is In. Till next time, this is Kip Allen wishing you God's blessings. listening to The Pastor is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting The Pastor is In on Worldwide KFUO.